Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. I'm Monica. And I don't know if you can tell by the glistening of my face, but it is 150 fucking degrees right now. Yeah, how hot is it up there? Too hot. I also heard like that the, you the, only, the only time it was cool today was while it was pouring rain. Yeah, because I've seen Snapchat stories when I talked to mom earlier. She said that. Um, also, for listeners, I'm in Florida right now, so I have no idea what's going on in New York at the moment. Um, but I saw people's Snapchat stories. There was, like, streets that were flooded. Yeah, it was crazy. Flat I mean, I, I, live, I live on the top of the hill, so my street wasn't flooded. It all just pours down the hill. But, yeah, it was um, intense. It was uh, great, though, because it cooled down. But then it got hot again. Right. Um, oh, sorry. My phone's in Celsius, so that won't mean anything to you. Yeah, I don't know. Celsius. It's only 80, but... The humidity probably makes it feel... Humidity is, the humidity is so thick that there, there's an air quality warning. Oh, damn. See, I came down here. It rained for two days. We were supposed to get, like, a downpour today, and it just completely blew over. And, um, and then tomorrow, it's supposed to be, like, super sunny and nice all day, so I'm like... My butt's going to be in the pool drinking grape juice and having a fun time. But, yeah, so for everyone who knows, um, me and Mary-Kate are not together in person. I am down in Florida this week. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, I am down in Florida this week, and I'm visiting with some family. And me and my boyfriend came out to visit, and... um, been doing a lot of just relaxing having some fun that's why I kind of look like a rat I said if I'm not going anywhere my hair is not going to be get- I didn't even bring my flat iron so it's like my hair is not going to be getting done and my face is going to look like this the whole week um besides when we go to Universal for like one day but um nonetheless I'm very excited to be out here having some fun um and also if I my voice sounds a lot better today I am using my uncle's setup for his podcasts that he has. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of them. I just know the one that he works on with my dad. Then he has an actual like business one. Once again, I don't know the name of it. So like we'll plug it down below, but go listen to them. You, if you want. don't know the name of either of them. Seriously. Oh, no, I know the name of the couch. That's their football one, right? From the couch. Yeah. From the couch is their football one. Um, and uh, on the other side, uh, leadership and something, something, something. I don't know the subject. Leadership after transition. Thanks, my brother told me. I was like, I know there's some subtitle, but because like my uncle's only really told me about it, never told me the name of it, so I was like, I don't know. Well, it's because you're not really the audience for it. True, but like, um, yeah, our uncle, his podcast. For those of you who are interested, um, he is hosts a podcast about um using the leadership training that you got in the military for post-military jobs and like transitioning to leadership roles outside of the military, which is the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really good at it. He speaks at a lot of bases. He does stuff with lots of military people and it's, he's great. But again, our audience and his audience, there's not a huge overlap. <laughs> but if you want to hear some dudes in between their 40s and 50s talk about sports, go listen to From the Couch. And you can see my dad and our uncle talk about sports stuff. Isn't that so much fun, audience? I know. Again, it's a- where is the overlap? 
there isn't one but just <laughs> just a little shout out there i guess because they do listen so once again thanks uncle jeff for letting me use your stuff mary kate will be using it in two weeks when she's out here um but no uh, and i'm gonna get to talk to you me and her talked to her about a half hour before we started recording on everything that was like tea worthy but not public tea worthy um (laughs) public tea worthy this episode of the bachelorette this week was a lot don't tell me i have to watch it also did you watch a new episode of big brother yet yeah okay so i have to watch tonight's episode tomorrow because i'm watching it on Paramount. well obviously i'm not watching tonight's because i'm doing this it's um but yeah i watched sundays obviously no i am also you're like really far behind on the bachelorette though I am. I am really far. Because we started that one episode when the guy who lost his wife went on his date with her. And then I never saw how the date went. And you're like, Monica, you need to watch this. You're going to cry. And then we never finished yeah. it because every Joanne was there. Well, I won't tell you who, but spoiler alert, Katie is not taking shit from anybody. And she literally got rid of five people this week because she was like, fuck your drama. I am done. Ooh, that's nice. Okay. This is one thing I like about the, this Bachelorette, particularly from just a few episodes that I have seen. She seems like a no BS girl where a lot of the girls that have been on ba- previous seasons of The Bachelorette feed into that drama for ratings. And I think the fact that we have a woman in oh, here. Who yeah, her season, her season wrapped an entire week early. Like they finished filming a week earlier than they were supposed to because she was just like, I'm not. I'm here not to find games. I'm here. here to find love. She's like, this is my fucking life. And I think a lot of people, like, obviously, from some of the people we have seen that have left the show already, are using it as a platform to get. But Omar. Of those five guys will be on Bachelor in Paradise. Ew. Oh, well, no. I already know I already know weird Steve Buscemi man's gonna be on it. And oh, I'm yeah. no no no. The four who are gonna be who got announced today as being on or yesterday as being on Bachelor in Paradise, it is not an ew. Oh, it's not? No. Are they any of the guys that we've liked though? Unfortunately, there are only three of my top six left on the show. Oh no. And Wait, so three- only one is I need to know is the guy who wrote the song about being a virgin still on there. Oh yes, Mike P is okay. still there. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that I'm worried about because he he honestly did such a sweet thing revealing that about himself in front of everyone. Like that was oh, that yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Was there great. are only seven guys left on the show. Oh my god. Yeah. They're normally up to like, ten, so they're almost at the so they're like what three episodes away from doing the at home like the hometown. No, hometowns are well, the week I'm in Florida. So they're only two weeks out from doing yeah. the home dates. Oh, that's yeah. the only thing that scares me about home dates are the fact that you're bringing in this person into your family that could just decide that week to be like, no. And I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on everyone in that situation to be like, hey, let's like, let's do this <laughs> and then meet these people and then have to crush all of their hopes and dreams by just like saying, I like wow, that's the whole point of the bachelor. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I get that, but bringing in the people's families is like oh. I would love love to have hometowns on the bachelor just because could you imagine my dad dealing with any of these motherfuckers? Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I think but here's the thing. I think your hometown date because of how your dad is, he'll either love or hate the guy and the problem is my dad is the nicest person in the world and he will be so good on tv and then immediately when the cameras are cut he'll be like fuck that bitch exactly and that's the thing is like i feel like when the cameras are off that will be the reason why he's like listen i like you but your dad scares the frick out of me so like 
Sorry. Also, I've been like low key censoring myself lately because of the kids being around that I don't want to swear into them. And I'm like, I've been saying frick, heck, darn it. And like, I'm like, what am I? Who, who am I? Who's this? She's not Monica. But I am being considerate. So also, I'm in a spinny chair and I can't help but not spin. So who, yeah, I, we're going to need, yeah. Um, yeah, so my week, uh, my sister was in town. Obviously, we've talked about that the last couple weeks. Uh, she left this morning. Um, yeah, that's really it. I've just been hanging out with her, doing family stuff. Yep, and that thing's super exciting. And uh, then you'll be out here in Florida moving down your brother to start a whole life somewhere else. Um. Um, apparently my other, so apparently my sister Gabby was talking shit about me behind my back to my sister Brianna. She said, what is Mary Kate going to do when George and Renee move? She's not going to have any friends anymore. (laughs) I was like, I'd be mad except for that. I've been saying the same thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Mary Kate, you're going to be like the only one living at home now. Listen, I know I'm not great company to keep around, but if you just want company, I'll come sit with you every once in a while. Look at least a little enthusiastic shit. <laughs> no, I eventually I'll get a job and I won't sit in the on the couch every day. So it's just this in between time that just but at least you'll have some time for yourself and just to be able to be alone. Yeah, I did that for three years in Thailand. That is also very true. Never mind. Ignore me. Anyway. We are talking about, I don't know what that was, Um, (laughs) episode nine of Kolshak, the Spanish Moss Murders. Which, honestly, it was a good episode. You're going to need to stop moving in circles away from the microphone. Oh, yeah, I forgot because it's an isolated microphone. Um, So, no, this episode was really, really good um, from a lot of different standpoints. The story of it was very interesting, which I was, like, not expecting it to go this route. And this is the time that I think that this is the first time I think that Cool Shack, besides the alien episode, did something really innovative that you wouldn't have thought would have been a real thing. Because how do you explain that? But there were times where obviously the people around him, even our police chief actually seen, or detective or whatever he was, I didn't even really catch that. Or a detective. He was a captain. Captain, neither. Um, but he was some important police guy. Even he seemed to be like, oh, maybe, maybe he ain't wrong. Well, Up until the very end, but like, yeah. Um, it was rated 8.2 stars, which is the highest so far. And it aired on December, yes, December 6th, 1974. And it took place in July 6th, 1974. I kind of appreciated because they can't really set things in fall in and winter in Chicago and film it in LA because that doesn't work. Yo, no cap. What if they went strictly to Chicago to film like an abominable snowman type of one? Hey, that would be cool. I do because I'm like, are they gonna ever have one set in like December? How are they gonna make that? I don't, I don't know. Um, 
our little blurb says a man's sleep state manifests a murderous boogeyman from the Cajun Bayou and Kolshak takes to the sewers of Chicago to battle the slimy creature with the only weapon that can kill it, a spear made of Bayou gumwood. And the one thing I will say is I did not read the blurb this week because I watched it online. Um, so I, we, I'll normally see the blurb beforehand. So when it went into the whole someone's dreams manifested this part of the story, I was like, yo, what? Like, that was actually a really cool thing to experience. I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of almost don't want to read the blurbs before we watch it to get that type of experience. I don't read the blurb before the first time I watch it. True. I kind of can't help it because I'm just like, words. I just read them. (laughs) It was directed by Gordon Hessler. Um, He doesn't have a ton of directing credits, but he has some pretty good ones. He directed an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. He directed the 1971 movie of Murder in the Room Morgue. And in the 80s, he was nominated for the Fear Section Award at the Avery, I don't know what that word is. I didn't know what it, no, no, no. I didn't know what it was when I wrote it down. And then I wrote it terribly and I don't know what I wrote. Okay. So the Avoriori Fantastic Film Festival for a movie called Pray for Death. Nice. I do that every day. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully my brother screaming at his video game didn't pick up. No, I haven't heard him at all. You're good. I know. Oh. No, he actually wasn't that loud. Um... It, the story was written by Elvin R. Friedman, who only has five writing credits. Um, one of them is writing an episode of Columbo, but still, like, nothing. Um, and the teleplay was written by both Friedman and David Chase. David Chase, this is the fourth of his eight episodes that he writes. He wrote The Zombie, The Vampire, and The Werewolf. And then he will write four more after that. The Werewolf and The Vampire. Suck. Yeah, but the teleplay isn't what sucked. Yeah, no, I didn't. I just hated everything else about it. <laughs> so our four guest stars this episode, the police captain um, was played by Keenan Wynn, who uh, had 282 credits on IMDb. Wow. Um, he is going to return as the same character. This police captain is actually in two episodes, so he's going to come back. Um, he was basically in every TV show ever from 1942 to 1986. Um, his most well-known role was as, um, a colonel in the movie, Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to, oh God, what is the full title? It's a very famous movie, but the really long, the title's really long and I never say it correctly. Dr. Strangelove. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Nice. Yeah. Um, and but the thing that I recognized him from was that he was the voice of the Winter Warlock in Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I freaking love Santa Claus is Coming to One Town. But in front of the other. See, I want to enjoy this, but it's goddamn July. Oh. Well. um the sleep doctor guy was played by servant severn darden 
he had 128 credits on IMDb. He was best known for the 1973 movie Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Oh, really? Yep. And I did not really, nothing else on his thing. IMDb really jumped out at me, but also I didn't really read everything. Um, the Gene, the fiddler. Mm-hmm. So the guy who took the money and then went to the recording booth literally was only in two scenes. He was in two very long running Western shows called the Virginian and Crimson Strip. So basically he actually is a cowboy. Cute. I love that. And then um, Pepe slash Um, Morris, the little short guy. He is played by Johnny Silver. Um, He... Johnny Silver is very, very famous. Um, he played Ludacris Lion and Dr. Blinky in H.R. Puffin stuff. No way. He was basically every bit writer, act like photographer who was in a background in the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, and he played Benny South Street in Guys and Dolls, the Marlon Brando, Frank Sinatra version. Oh my God, that's so cool. Johnny Silver is very famous. Literally, as soon as he started talking with his Brooklyn accent instead of the fake French accent, I was like, shit, I know this guy. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it was in Adrian Puffin stuff. Yeah. Oh my, the iconic. What a legend. Gotta say it. So, so that was um, our guest stars. Um, yeah, so let's just get into the episode. Um, we start with a flash to this girl who is a lab assistant at this college study lab thing. Um, she dies. Yeah, I, cool. I just want a bog monster and it said that it was a car accident. They- yeah, stop leaning back so far, girl. Yeah, I realized that accident and I heard myself. I'm like, I sound like a ghost. Um, <laughs> She apparently uh, got, they quoted her death as a car accident. um, Which honestly is fair. Yeah. Based on the damage to her body and the fact that she died in the middle of the street in the middle of the night and no one saw anything, it's fair to think that it was a hit and run. Like, I wasn't mad at that. Yes. But the arugula salad that was on the side. It's outside. Like, you can't decide what's going to be outside. True. True. Um, But honestly, it was great shadow work. The whole scene of her leaving work and like being scared and something maybe following her. So good. Yeah. It's good to see that other, because the director who did this didn't do um, the alien one. And no. So it's good to see that this other director, like, and even in his other episodes that he has done, there is some decent amount of shadow work, but this is by far the most. Well, this guy, this is his only episode. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Yeah. I, no, there's the, the writer is similar. It did other episodes, but this director, this is his only episode. Yeah. He, uh, it's just nice to see that other directors are able to play with that shadow work that's been going yes. on across, so, and do it just as well as um, the other director who did it. Um, so then we finally see Kolshak and he um, is in the car on the way to the dentist, which only was important in my head because as I was watching this, my brother was on the way to the dentist. I um, so I was like, oh, hey, that's funny. But also Kolchak was like, aha, bad news. Guess I'm not going to the dentist. 
Yeah, I wonder if George ended up having to not go to the dentist because someone got murdered. I think he's good. Okay, he's good. Clean. Yeah. He's good. Um, then, so we get to the restaurant where the chef was murdered and we meet the super chill police captain. Like, hella oh chill. He's so chill. Like, he was like, yeah, let Kolshak in. Everybody's got to have a job. Everybody's got to make a living. Like, it's fine. And I was like, I thought this dude was definitely on drugs. No, but he wasn't on drugs. He was just in group therapy for anger management. And um, you can see and him really get more angrier as the thing goes on. But he's like, my thing is, is when I get really angry, I go, I'm okay. You're okay. You're okay. Um, loved it. Um, so basically Kolchak is pumped because he got there first. So he got some exclusive stuff that the other reporters don't get. And then when they go to the police briefing, Kolchak is asking about this stuff that he saw and the police captain is acting like it wasn't real. And all the other reporters are like, oh, what are you talking about? And Kolchak's like, what am I talking about? I don't know. He was like, yeah, and like, what about that salad on his feet? And all the reporters like, salad, salad. And then he just walks into the room and the reporters go, what? Kolchak, what do you mean salad? And like, like, I know I'm more of a potato guy myself. He's like, I'm like, oh, like, all right, Kolchak, sure. Yeah. Um, what Kolchak does, though, is he gives, gets the reporter, other reporters to leave him alone so that he can slip into the police lab and find the actual police report of the murder. And I found it interesting that even from the beginning, the police saw the connection between the hit and run and this guy dying. Because a lot of times Kolchak's like, these things are all connected. And the police are like, no. are they really? And so the police saw the connection and Kolchak was like, but my favorite was um, that the police report had the Latin genus name of the plant. And he was like, Kolchak was like, I wanted to start research right away, but um, plants are not listed in the dictionary by their Latin name. And uh, looking for a Michelle Kelly in the Chicago phone book it's was not going to happen. No. Apparently, like, Mich apparently, Michelle Kelly was like Jane Doe, most common name in Chicago or some shit. So. so um, but then our next guy gets murdered. Who's a hippie? He's, he's just a hippie in a basement. But um, my favorite was Kolchak's description of him because it was like the most 70s thing I've ever heard. He was like, yeah, he had to go for his version of the e evening martini. And then the guy lit up a joint. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Not that I do it, but I'm like, what's wrong with it though? <laughs> it's 1974. Only well, like, you smoke weed. No. Only hippie smoke weed. Now it's like cool to smoke weed, I guess. Um, cool is a relative term. Very true. Very true. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not cool to alter your brain chemistry with any substances. Out. Yeah, never, never. Only the people who are uh, visually viewing this will get the joke. Anyway, um, but after all this happens, like he gets his butt whooped. By this giant piece of moss who busts down a Brazilian mahogany door. And it's a we don't find out about the door until much later. Yeah. It's not really important, but it's funny. Because I'm like, why is this door in a Chicago basement made from Brazilian wood? 
Like, I understand what the house was beforehand. Like, fine, cool. But, like, Brazilian... Brazilian... You don't just throw that out. No. But move it on a door that's not the basement door. Like, take it off. Put it somewhere else. It seemed to me that the building manager cared much more about the door than the landlord did. And he didn't really have the ability to do that. Oh yeah. God, I'm so hot. Sorry. <laughs> um... But it was a great death. It was, like, actually believable. The monster was, like, not overacting, and the death was not overacting. It was just really well done, and I was appreciative. Yeah, it was, like, and also, I don't think any of the deaths that had have had, let me try that again. Any of the deaths that have happened in this episode are not over-the-top, unbelievable, like, what? They don't yeah, look yeah. corny, they don't look cheesy, and they look very, very believable, which... Yeah. It's a very rare instance to happen on Kolshak. So to actually watch something that's kind of, you know, in terms modern in that sense of realism when it comes to a death happening in a show like this, I will 100% condemn it. Not condemn it. Commend it. Commend. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Huh. Commend and condemn are opposites. They have the same letter. They're just anagrams of each other. I know. What a wild time. Interesting. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, then we, uh, Kolchak finally gets a hold of this girl who died's phone number. Her landlord tells her to go to her job. So she goes, he goes to the research lab and he meets with the research doctor who is a pompous asshole. Yeah, he's like, I am doing the sleep study. And he's like, I know I'm just an MD, but even I understand good PR. It's about time someone comes to write an article about me. Like, and then Kolchak's like, hey, is um interesting as that sounds, buddy. Uh, <laughs> do you know this girl named Michelle Kelly? And he's like, that name means nothing to me. And then the assistant mirror goes like, bro, she's a girl that just like died two days ago in that car accident. And then he goes like, oh yeah, she was a klutz anyway. <laughs> Like, no, she was a schlub. A schlub. And how do you spell that, Mary Kate? Um, I personally would go with the S C H L U B. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I personally <laughs> would go with But the- important in this scene is that the patient that is there that they are forcing to go to sleep is in a REM state of sleep and is dreaming. And then later the doctor says that we didn't let him dream at all, but like that's clearly bullshit. Because we'll find out later why. But uh, I think for me, the most important thing about this scene was this experiment could never fucking happen today. No, literally, first of all, it's like human torture type of thing because he's asleep for, we find out like later on the episode, like with maybe- he's been asleep for six weeks. Six weeks. No, he's on an IV drip. That's it. Like, and also, he's been asleep for six weeks with them deliberately forcing him to stay out of REM sleep. Do you know what that does to your fucking brain? It could literally put him into a coma and or die. Like, I'm, that's just my opinion. Well, Also, he, if he does ever wake up, he'll be a psychopath. Yeah, he'll literally, like, he would probably see some shit. Like, clearly, obviously, he made a good point where it's like, we spend one third of our lives sleeping. It'd be nice to know what it's like, what it Which does. Which is awesome. And sleep studies are great. Listen, 
I and volunteer volunteer medical things like if you know what you're signing up for awesome people do sleep studies with volunteer patients all the time I'm not saying there's anything wrong with experimenting on people for sleep but six weeks straight of forcing someone to be asleep with no REM sleep is literally going to kill them yeah like whether it be by natural causes or they might even just go crazy snap and like end up taking their own life like we don't know what that's going to do to the brain we shouldn't sacrifice someone's sanity and or life the thing is the doctor literally knows that he doesn't know what it's going to do to the brain and doesn't care and i'm like i tell you ethics not a question here yeah no that doctor said i'm my own moral compass and guess what i guess this is right in my book like but besides the completely uh messed up you know experiment that is happening here um he is trying to obviously explain to Kolshak uh, what's going on. And Kolshak, like everyone else, is like, like but why? Like, yeah. But also, Kolshak you- doesn't really understand what this has to do with anything. Yeah, he just thinks it's a little fucking weird. And so Kolshak goes on his merry way, and he... And he goes to the botanical garden where he says one of my favorite lines about... Um, how he's avoided the botanical garden and he doesn't know if it's because of hay fever or the sheer boredom that will kill him. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, you either have to be someone who really wants to get into gardening and really loves learning about plants, but I will tell you this. Do not take your family on trips to look at plants unless it's something that everyone loves. Mary-Kate, I know that's going to be you with your children. And I, I feel- love botanical gardens. The lady who worked at the botanical garden was my favorite character. I was obsessed. But that's the thing. You love that. You can find it so interesting. Someone like me, like, trust me, there are beautiful flowers. I will love to look at flowers and take pictures of flowers. To learn about really different weird ferns, I don't know if I'm really on board with that. I might go to sleep. But I commend you for being so loving and so... Um, interested in learning about plants. But I also love this botanical garden lady because she um, did not want any of Kolchak's shit. And she like thought the idea of someone not knowing things about plants was just like so stupid. Yeah, she really didn't and, make it like dumb. Like, and you know? he was like, and he was like, oh, do those, this, this Spanish moss from the Bayou. First of all, it's not Bayou. Bayou. Yeah. Um, does the Spanish moss from the Bayou grow anywhere in Chicago? And she looked at him like, are you, are you we new? She's like, well, can other people get it? She's like, um, this is very expensive. And we are the, she was like, she was like your tax pay dollars pay for this right here and nothing else. Well, she said, there's probably not about another one within a thousand mile radius. Until and he's you- like, and he's like, well, are people like taking it from the botanical garden? She's like, no, I look at it every day. Perfectly fine. I, if there were giant chunks of a rare plant missing. I would probably have reported it, but okay. Yep. Like um, we did after what Kolchak did. <laughs> yeah. And then, so then Kolchak gets his information and then he gets a call and he goes to the hospital to see this doctor who was telling him about the new dead guy. And my only question here is, um, how does Kolchak afford all these informants? I don't know. Honestly. Um, he is paying people left, right, and center to give him barely I, any information. I literally think this man says, here's enough for my rent. Here's enough for food. I don't need any more clothes besides this one suit and hat. 
So the rest of my money goes to giving people information, giving people money. Which, for- I have a question about that later. Yep. <laughs> um, so then he gets information from the doctor about the new dead guy and he goes to the basement where he meets the building manager who's like, you're not supposed to be here. And we find out about the mahogany door and all this nonsense. Can I ask one, can I say one thing? Sure. Talks about how he's like, what are you doing down here? We got teenagers doing riffraff down here. And um, he's like, yeah, there was also he escalated very quickly. He was like necking, smoking cocaine, stabbed his girlfriend. What? It escalated so fast. And he's like, yeah, we've had three locks have to get changed. And I'm like, sir, that one single plank of wood with a do not enter sign ain't going to stop jack shit. But also within that same sentence, Kolchak could have went under that piece of wood. It was literally stopping nobody. And he was like, let me just take the whole thing off. For no reason. Uh, yeah. No, that was literally the escalation of the century. Yeah. Yeah, you know, necking, smoking crack, murder. Oh, no, no. They weren't smoking crack. They were okay. smoking pure cocaine. Those were rich hippies, apparently. But in the, in the 70s, finding, I feel like finding more rich cocaine was easier than crack cocaine. Probably alive in the 70s, so I wouldn't know. But considering that I think that cocaine kind of made its start and up and coming, I think there really was only pure cocaine, not crack cocaine, until like the 90s when people were like, I'm gonna rip you guys all off because I know there's baking powder I can put in this. So, what you're saying is that Kurt Cobain is to blame for crack. No, Courtney loves to blame for Kurt, Cobain, Kurt Cobain's death. Thank you very much. That wasn't even the question. I'm trying to figure out who invented crack. Um, literally any grunge artist from the 90s, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, crack cocaine could have been around for decades beforehand, and I couldn't even know. But, like, what a, what a title would have that been? Like, on his grave, on his, like, tombstone. Inventor, um, singer, father, inventor of crack cocaine. Dude, I don't care if I didn't invent crack cocaine, but I want that exact same tombstone. <laughs> Uh, and then all my kids will have to explain to their grand, my grandchildren and their grandchildren what kind of human I was. Wow. Um, so then basically we find out that the hippie was a street performer. So uh, Kolchak goes to meet with other street performers to find out about him. He finds this guy named Gene, the fiddler, who gives him absolutely no information takes $10 from him and moves his hips way too much while fiddling. Yeah. Um, but I will disclaimer, he is not the fiddler on the roof. He is a different fiddler. Do also, I- fun fact, because I am a psycho, the guy the fiddler. Said, no, no. The guy, a gene was like, yeah, I know that guy. He's from the same parish as I am. And Kolchak asked the very normal question that a Northeasterner, like someone from Chicago or New York, would ask about being from the same church because a Catholic church area is called a parish. In the state of Louisiana, there are not counties. Like, Like, there is not a Niagara County, an Erie County. They have like Shreveport Parish. 
okay so it's like their version of a county essentially yeah exactly and that's what and the guy explained that to Kolchak but offhandedly as he was driving away but I was like like not that see when he said not that kind of parish buddy I thought he was like saying that there's like some weird hippie like cult sex group going on I'm like he said not that kind of parish in Louisiana that's what we have but he didn't really fully explain it but yeah in Louisiana counties are called parishes okay got it thank you for clearing that up because I had no idea what this I'm like what weird sex cult is this man part of that that he just he's just from Louisiana he's a Cajun not everyone from Louisiana is a Cajun but this man yeah although I don't really know that a Cajun is a person I thought it was a type of food I guess it's a person but I would have called the people Creole not Cajun Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I might be mistaken Courtney can you please correct me as I said Courtney you're from there (laughs) that sounds stupid thank you um so then we meet pepe every time i kept saying pepe i went the pew (laughs) so uh little pepe is my favorite um he is giving kolchak all the real information and he keeps switching back and forth from his fake french accent to his real brooklyn jew accent and it is he said that he wanted to be he came to chicago to be an organized crime but he was too short (laughs) He's like, yeah, I didn't make the height requirements. But also, this man is, I think, Kolchak's only friend besides Tony. They, like, had a bro time. Like, they were walking the street. Kolchak, in a later, like, in the next scene, he's walking on the street, and Pepe's walking on the sidewalk, and they're the same height now. I'm like, look at Kolchak being a real friend, being a true home so that Pepe doesn't short. Like... (laughs) It was right. Um, he, I was, I love it. I love it. And then, but he tells them about the uh, Père Morphée. Which is the, um, a, a legend that you will learn about in the late, in the, um, later on in the episode when we go back to talk to the fiddler dude. Yeah. But it basically means that he is the Louisiana boogeyman it was their legend down there that he it was yeah. apparently there before anyone else was there yeah pamela Fay directly translates from french to the father of evil do of that does evil it's not a real legend oh unfortunately it is based off of a conglomeration of a couple different things mostly it is based off of the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which was supposedly discovered by a wildlife photographer in 1968 or 1963, maybe. Um, people still believe that it lives in the swamp and this one part, like Honey Island, obviously. The family that owns Honey Island and their swamp caretaker all say that they have never seen anything like this. They have no idea where the legend comes from. But this one, like, rich photographer was like oh I saw a seven foot monster and it was so scary and so but because it happened in the late 1960s it was more believable it was like just like we talked about how that one book only got written last week we talked about how that book only got written in the late 1960s this was something that was like fresh in the minds of people at that time but it's not a very long-standing legend and there are a couple other legends that like might have influenced it but it most closely resembles this one that is not really has no, no. real cajun history at all 
Now, does this one take place in Louisiana as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Right, I, well, I no. remember Honey Island. So oh wasn't... yeah, no. It's a it's a it's a uh, bayou swamp. But um, but yeah. So like, there's not. I mean, obviously, people have always said that there's something that lives out in the swamps in the bayou, but there isn't really actually a Cajun boogeyman story. Yeah, but like, in all honesty, it's a cool story that they came up with. Oh yeah, like for real. I well, that's why I looked at. I did a bunch of. Re- I did some research on it because I wanted to know where it really came from because it was actually really cool. And once really again, it is. That. Once again, it is not really based in any reality. But this time, I appreciated it. Yes. <laughs> we're not, like, straight up jacking other cultures by throwing some Because shit the thing is, they weren't, they didn't, they didn't set it in, in Louisiana. Louisiana. They didn't set it, they obviously, all of the characters that it was attacking were from the same area of Louisiana, but it was because they knew each other or, like, there was some kind of um, okay. rivalry. It wasn't really about the culture yeah. and all of like the Cajun like or Creole words that they used, the French that they used was correct. Yeah. So like they knew what so, they were doing. So they didn't, they didn't botch it as bad. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's why I'm like, if you're going to create a story like this, make it something believable. Cause clearly like I always thought there was a, there was something in the swamps. You hear, you think of this, like the swamp monster, like for that not to be a believable story, I mean, like, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. The right. boogie aspect where they, where he was talking about how moms would tell their kids, well, he's going to come for you. And then Kolchak was like, well, what does that mean? Well, he's going to squeeze the life out of you. And all these people have, like, these rough indents. Right, no, they did a really, really good job with um, theming it without being... Offensive. Yeah, but I, I mean... Not even offensive, but like um, offensive, but like incorrect. I guess would be the correct. Yeah, term. I don't even know what word I want to look for because honestly, without being dumb, said, ignorant. Yeah, somebody said something recently. Oh, it was on The Bachelor. They were doing a roast in the date, and the guy said, "If you're not offending someone, you're probably not funny." <laughs> I was like, yo, that is my life philosophy. If I they didn't go- hurt your feelings. I wasn't funny enough. <laughs> um, um, now we're in the store, where are we? Oh, we're, we're, we're still at Pepe. Oh, we're still at Pepe because Kolchak's talking to Pepe and then all of a sudden Pepe just disappears. Now, I have one problem with that. How, how is it so quiet? <laughs> how is it so quiet? Yes, literally my note says, how did he vanish with no noise? All the other, or like, all the other scenes, the spot monster is loud. And mm-hmm. then even in the same scene when Kolchak goes to figure out where Pepe disappeared to, you can hear the swamp monster breathing. So how did the swamp monster like yoink this guy with no noise? Only thing I, I, I can't explain why, um, but the only thing I am going to say, if you are going to basically put someone in a ghillie suit, like a homemade ghillie suit with um, like moss that you bought at Joanne Fabrics, and you're going to just throw it over a person or glue it to a shirt or glue it to a robe, whatever you're going to do with it. Make sure your actor is not wearing a white t-shirt underneath it. Thank you. I never, I, I never I saw that. In the, when it was, he was in the water scene, uh-huh. there, you can see where the ghillie suit was like separating. And you can see that he was wearing a white t-shirt underneath. I'm like, you could have done black, dark green, 
something. Oh, else. sorry. We didn't talk about this because he didn't get listed as one of the main guest stars, but Richard Keel. He's back he as the, the swamp. Is the swamp monster. Yeah. I we mentioned that last week at the end of the episode. I think we did. Yes. Um, Which makes sense because they talk about how he's literally a giant. Well, yeah. And this, the Honey Island Swamp Monster is said to be seven foot tall. So. See, now you have a reason to cast him as a right. seven There's when, when the legend calls for a seven foot tall actor and you have about two choices and one you've already worked with, that's usually the one you're going with. Yeah. Um, so then Kolchak goes, he takes some pictures. He goes to develop them, of course, as is normal. The picture is of absolutely nothing. And then he goes to his office to get some stuff. And we have a kind of useless scene where he's like trying to get some stuff in the office and Ron and Emily are listening to Tony practice a speech that he's giving at the press club. And honestly, I just genuinely want to hear the whole speech. Me too. But here's I really, really, truly want to hear Tony's whole speech. Because later on in the episode, um, when Kolchak comes back to the office after doing these next few scenes, um, Tony gets home from doing, the, comes back to the office to, you know, keep partying it up for him having such a successful speech. And Tony, I really, like, sometimes I think, like, Tony does things out of a sarcastic sense, but, like, Tony really he acts so genuine. But also, like, his speech, like, he was giving digs to Kolshak about gimmicky news articles, but his whole speech was about unfettered journalism and, like, journalistic practices that are anti-yellow journalism, anti-sensationalism. Like, basically, Tony would not have a job in 2021's media, and I really, truly want to hear his speech because I just want everyone to hear his speech <laughs> but no like and then so like Kolsha makes this like funny thing where he's trying to sneak out and then you just see tony go like where did he go right but uh, my other note about that scene is ron would be the only one who's eaten at this fancy ass french restaurant oh, of course also what fancy french restaurant has pad thai mix i thought he said pad thai no, he said the pad thai was not even. Unless he meant to say pate and it just sounded really stupid. But pate, I guess pate, but you wouldn't say it as two separate words. Pate is one word. Yeah. So no, it was he said pad thai. Unless it was like unless I was saying like it was meant to be pate, but the actor who read it just said uh pad thai and they just said never mind, this scene's not that important. <laughs> right. Um, so then Kolchak comes back and he's talking to the police captain again, who has finally broken. He is screaming. He is angry. Kolchak says, what happened to group therapy? And I thought, what happened to you're okay? And he said, you're not okay. And I have never met someone who is as not okay as you are. Honestly, I tell myself that every time I look into the mirror. Um... Then we go back. Oh, then we find out that the guy's been asleep for six weeks. And on my note here, I already talked about about how that's too long. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a police officer who's looking around, patrolling the area where all the street performers are, apparently to catch a street performer because that is illegal, I guess. You know, yeah. not worried about the murders that are happening, but 
Then the police gets murdered. He gets his cheeks clapped, but not in the fun way. But I will say I really appreciated this because at least they didn't pretend that he missed. Uh, he shot the monster four times, and every time he shot the monster, the monster screamed. Yeah. But it well, was clearly like, you're shooting me, but I'm bigger and stronger, and it doesn't affect me, and not like a ha ha ha, you missed. Yeah. And mind you, this is the one thing that I have my biggest issue with in like old 70s. I'm like, why loop the same scream four times? It sounds like he's moaning really. And he was like, ah, ah, in the exact same tone, exact same like fluctuation. I'm like, would it be more expensive for you to say, hey, can you scream four times in a different Those are the only things about watching old 70s shows where I'm like, just make a different noise. Let let don't. But also, you have to understand that the way the cameras were, he wasn't talking on screen, and the microphone might not have been able to work in that way. And he might have been it might have been pre recorded sound because of the film. I don't know. I just fair. fair, but like it just happened so excessively in the seventies that I'm just like, but why? Again, but everything in the seventies was done on film. I get it. It just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> So then Colchette goes back to see Jean the Fiddler and we get the rest of the story of um, Paramount Faye. Um, Jean is a total jerk. That was my only note. I did not care for him. Um, so then we finally go back to the thing. Oh, we find out that the guy that Colchette thinks is the killer is the guy who is asleep at the... At the clinic. At the clinic thing. And um, so they go back and they're like, okay, you have to wake him up because we need to talk about this thing. And Kolchak's like, he's killing them in his dreams because he's a boogeyman. And the doctor's like, he's not dreaming. And then Kolchak timestamps every murder with the readout of his brain activity and shows that he was dreaming every time somebody got killed. Now, this is where I'm going to say, I think that the um, captain actually believes Kolchak. Yes. Because he goes from being like, oh, I don't want to hear about your boogeyman bullcrap, blah, blah, blah. Then Kolchak has like almost undisputed proof of like, look at how, like, this is not just a coincidence. Like, this is really strange. Like, he's saying he's not dreaming at all, but every time he has dreamed out of the four times or five times that he's dreamed. It's been at the exact same time that somebody else was murdered. And which, uh, and then he was like, okay, well, we need to get him awake. Um, and as Kolchak is explaining all of this, the guy's body and heart rate is like spiking and going crazy. Well, here's the thing. They show a close-up of the doctor injecting him with something. The doctor says he gave them double, he gave him double the normal dose of methamphetamine in order to wake him up. I thought maybe the doctor was shady and like did it and it wasn't the meth. It was something to kill him. And then the doctor was in on it. But then based on the conversation, I really don't think that's true. Yeah, no, I kind of thought that way too, because- after like obviously the last like final scene that we have here yeah um, well anything so like that. basically the guy dies yeah and he- so carl thinks that that means everything's done yeah until he goes back to work and there is swamp monster ooze and spanish moss all over his desk and the office and carl is having a full-on panic attack about it mm-hmm. and my favorite was that drunk tony was like, like trying to like mom him like it's okay calm down just have a drink you really everybody need- yeah but all the all the drunk people he, this is how crazy Carl is that all the drunk people thought he was batshit crazy yeah. and Tony just goes he works so hard <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is like and it's sad because he really does 
Like Kolchak yeah. really works hard. Um, and, um, but it's so just now, half yeah, the battle. So now Kolchak is going to, of course, take care of the swamp monster by himself, as he does, which makes no sense. Um, and so, because where are swamps in Chicago? The sewers, obviously. So he goes to climb wait, down wait, the sewer. Wait, real quick. He does stop at the botanical garden to get a piece of that swamp gum bark. Oh, the, the, the bark that will kill her. Yeah. And he's shaving it and sharpening it to stab this man. And, um, but I have some issues did not... with the sewer, sewer, um, wrestle match thing that happened. Oh, we... Even there yet. I have issues with the sewer, point blank, period. Because this man and his one suit did not even change his clothes. Because he doesn't the... have other clothes. In the sewer. You have one suit. You have one suit. You wear it to work every day. So what are you going to do? Stand and shit water in it? Sounds like a plan. One suit. I think he, I swear to God, if he comes back, he's going to come back with that suit. He's we going to wear the suit for the whole rest of the show. And we're never going to address the fact that it was full of shit water. <laughs> oh, man. But my issue with this is Kolchak ends up obviously drawing attention to himself with the swamp monster. My oh, wait, do- sorry. I have one more note before you talk about the actual fight, because then I, that's my last note for the show at all. Okay. Um, while he's in the sewer looking for the swamp monster, he finds Pepe's missing body. And oh, yeah. my note says, it's the lack of reaction for a de- to a dead body for me. Dude, Kolchak has seen some shit. He just looks at it and then keeps he, walking. He did a... And Therapy. then he barely, he was like, oh shit. I think he was trying to not gasp in case the monster did hear him. Like, honestly. But, but honestly, also- the gasp was because it was Pepe, not because it was a dead body. Um, but also, Kolchak, once again, has killed every single villain that we have seen besides the aliens. He is numb to death. Um, yeah. But he, my issue with this fight that happens, obviously, the, the monster gets a hold of him. And, like, starts chasing him through the sewers. He, for some reason, wanted to put this staff in a bag and carry it around with him. And while he's being chased, he's carrying said bag and doesn't stop to think, oh, yeah, this is to kill him until the very end. And then kills him. I'm like, Kloshak. I've said this about Tyler about 16 times since I've been down here. I'm like, listen, bud, you got... Two working brain cells, but you only choose to use one of them. And it varies which one you use. Yeah. Yeah. But then he tells the he's finishing wrapping up his story in what I believe is a hospital in his shit covered suit. And uh basically just says, and the guy who was dreaming, well now he's dead. So bye. <laughs> yeah. But all in all, I think it was a good episode. It was. Oh, yeah, I really liked it. I mean, my, because obviously the things that I had problems with were things that, like, like stupid things, like, were, no, but they were things that, like, I have problems with as, like, a human, not as, like, a viewer, like, getting into a sewer with your only favorite suit on. Like, yeah. that has nothing to do with the story. Suit. That's just Kolchak's an idiot. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I do think this episode is really good. If you have not watched it, I highly suggest that you do. Yeah. Um, we also realize that if anyone who is watching Kolchak along with us, and if you have either bought the series or you're, this is your first episode you're listening to and you want to catch up. Sorry, I had a burp. <laughs> they have yeah. it for free on NBC.com. There are ads in and it. And apparently that's also free. I don't know if it's free, but it's also streaming on BravoTV.com. 
Okay, and BravoTV.com. I haven't watched it through Bravo. I, I know. Like- I don't. I don't know if it's free on Bravo. IMDb suggests for you to watch it on Bravo. So, but I so it probably isn't free. But but um yeah. So if you guys want to watch, you can watch it for free there. Um, we oh, this is what episode nine. Yes. We got eleven episodes left of Cole Shack. Um, we got some. Fun you sound stuff. like you're trying to wrap up and say goodbye to the show, but we haven't done goofs or trivia yet. Oh my god, we haven't. I'm. Okay, I'm done. Continue. So, factual errors. When sleep subject Paul Lingua goes into cardiac arrest, no one does anything. That is very true. (laughs) Medical research films affirms are required by law to have resuscitation equipment and police officers are trained in CPR. (laughs) Yeah, that is very true, though. Um... The doctor keeps referring to the ECG monitor as an EEG monitor, which ECG does your heart, EEG does your brainwaves, while in conversation with Cole Shack. Further, he describes a supraventricular tachycardia, a coronary rhythm, as delta waves, a brain function. Mm-hmm. To their credit, during the death of Paul Langua, they do an excellent job of showing the progression of a dying heart from ventricular tachycardia to ventricular fibrillation to acetole. Unfortunately, it is not, it's not monitoring the subject's brain. So he's talking about delta waves and an EEG, which is what he should be monitoring. Yeah. But the machine that they're using is actually an ECG heart monitor. Cute. Like, I thought that there was a heart monitor attached to him anyway, in case there was a mishap to happen. Yeah, there's only a heart monitor attached <laughs> that, Yeah, that's weird. Um, revealing mistakes. One, the monster attacks Kolshak in the sewer. The zipper of Richard Kill's monster costume is clearly visible on his back. What did I say? Make them wear a dark shirt in case something like that happens. Um, there shouldn't be any light at all in the sewers when Kolchak is down there beyond his flashlight, yet it is so bright you can see everything. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's just a filming thing. Yeah. I've never seen a TV show do a sewer film, a sewer show correctly, because the audience wouldn't be able to see anything either. The audience, this would be, ready, the sewer. Ready, this is the sewer scene. Accurately. Rats. Barely even because your hand is so white. (laughs) <laughs> yeah just imagine it really it's dark. more like this Rats. Squeak, squeak. not even mine's too bright too we're just really pasty ladies oh, here we go here we go aha mm-hmm. super scene you get i'm gonna do my rat noises again squeak, squeak, squeak. also the not gonna lie the first time i saw the rats in the sewers i dead ass thought that was an animatronic rat i'm like yo the rats on the pirates of the caribbean ride look more realistic than this shit then it ended up moving around and it could have been the lighting on my laptop but still i it, didn't even see the rats so <laughs> yeah because close was having a full-blown panic attack um and then this there's a character error only they use the wrong character's name because they said when bobby ray solange is in the recording booth which Bobby Ray Solange was never in the recording booth. He's dead. When Gene Gene the Fiddler was in the recording booth, he isn't wearing any headphones. He's also standing too close to the mic and the booth is set up wrong for an instrumental only track. (laughs) See, if I had known anything about actual music productions, I would have liked to have known about that. So good to know. Don't do everything the Fiddler did. All right, our trivia... 
The Père Malfay was played by Richard Keel, who also played the Diablero in the previous week's Bad Medicines. Producer members liked him so much in both roles, they asked him to be available for a second season of the show. When ABC flip-flopped on whether to renew the show, Keel opted for a role on the short-lived Barbary Coast instead. All righty. Kolshak uh, comments that the total value of Chez Voltaire's wine cellar exceeded the gross national product of Paraguay. In 1974, Paraguay's GNP was approximately $1.185 billion. Damn. Imagine that. Oh, this one. Um, though Donald Mantooth is credited only as sleep subject, his character is named numerous times in dialogue as Paul Langlois. So in the credits, it doesn't say a name, but he okay. has one. Okay. Okay. Oh, interesting. So this goes kind of against what I said, but this, because what I said was based on what I Googled, but the Moss Man is often called the Cajun Boogeyman and is based on a legend that dates to the 1500s. Moss Man stories are also told in Florida. In this episode, the airsats Cajun Pepe, actually Morris, or Pepe, actually Morris Shapiro, is a, in a beret who sheds light on the Moss Man for the coal shack describes Père Malfay, which is French for father who does bad. I was correct. That one I didn't Google. I just know French. It has been suggested that this is term is an evolution of Père Malfay, which in French is French for father of bad leaves. This ties in nicely with the original legend, which tells of a soldier who kidnaps, rapes, and beheads an Indian princess. According to the legend, the cat hung her severed head from a tree. The princess's revenge was to meld her spirit with the tree, come to life, and hunt down her murderer. Supposedly, her hair became tangled with the tree's roots to birth the human-plant hybrid. I don't understand why, if the legend began with an Indian princess, the resulting monster wasn't dubbed Mer Mafui, later Mer Mafé, as Mer is French for mother. The leaf, Fui, references, re reference rings true with the Florida version of the moss man, who has been described as a towering human-like creature covered in wet leaves. I'm in Florida, get me out. Also, um, I can understand the father of the evil because of something bad because of the fact that the, the guy is the one who did it, but also, like, why are we not calling her the badass woman that she is? No facts. <laughs> um, cool. I'm going to move, not move, I'm going to leave Florida right now. If a moss man, a seven foot moss man, walks through the store, bye. Also, the next trivia is the final trivia, but I did actually catch it. When Kolshak goes looking for Morris, he runs up the same staircase that he has the conversation with the monk. Oh, Remember the, oh yeah, the monk. the monk. Yeah, from that one episode. I did catch it. I was like, I know this staircase. I've seen this before. This is the same oh. set. Okay. Um, but now that we got all of our trivia done, and I, so I totally forgot we were doing trivia, so sorry I wrapped up, but Everything I told you guys to do before, still do, do it. Um, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed listening to us babble for a good hour. Uh, we enjoyed being here for you. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, can't I get to be with Mary-Kate next week, so that's fun. And then I'm not going to see her again for two weeks. Well, two Saturdays to film, right? Because they're going to be two Saturdays. No, no, no. no. We're, we're, good, we're good. So I'm not going to be with her to film for, for one Saturday. Um, I am going to Florida for two full weeks 
but we are filming next week early. That's where where the two Saturdays come in. Yeah. So, um, but nonetheless, um, I hope that you guys listened. If you have any suggestions, any thing that you'd like to let us know be sure to email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social medias at deathandaliens you can follow me on instagram and twitter at e-m-k-a-y underscore superstar and you can follow me on instagram at monica.lynn underscore and you can follow me on twitter at mon underscore lynn underscore no i have not changed my twitter handle yet (laughs) she sucks um but yeah we will talk to you next week have a nice one Bye.